Thank you, uh, Mary. I maybe should mention that after the service last Sunday, I don't even remember who it was, but somebody said, man, that, that lady, she can really play the piano. <laughs> I just thought you ought to know that. Well, we're glad to have a, our guest with us this morning, Shirley Messenger. I first met Shirley at the first Kingdom Conference we had at Calvary Bible. She got stuck there and didn't have a ride home, and so I got to do that. And boy, did we ever chat on the way home. I mean, nonstop, all the way. We did. We just had a good time. So I'm glad to have you back here, and I bet, Brother Charlie, you're probably going to have to escort Shirley up here so she could speak to us. Or you just want to stand right down here? All right, well, that'll work. You ready? Yeah, we're ready. Yeah, come on. No, we're ready. No, we want you to come first. You're first. Yeah, me first. Yeah. Yeah. Bring it right down here, Larry. Yeah. Can you? Uh... We got lots of. Where do you want me? Well, get that over there and that way. Could you lower it a little bit? A little more? I don't know. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a professional speaker. I just ramble. Where's that other little thing? I want, I want it like you had it. Excited in heaven, and I'm excited here. And thank God for this great church. As I look around, every life here is a testimony and a story, and not according to our circumstances. It's God's honor. We're here for His. God's idea here by divine appointment. The bottom line is the grace of God. Part of the body, we're all so different, all diversified, and yet one. So, I I don't know. I'm going to say Norman said. A friend, a young friend of mine said she's going to write a book. Shirley said, Norman said. And that's the way it goes. And uh, he said years ago, he said, we're only a witness. And that's what the Lord called us. We didn't understand it. But there has never been a shortage of people to witness to. 
people need to live. I mean, we heard today how many people passed away. That is real. And the people live like, you know, they're going to be here forever. I lost a friend last week, too, a former preacher's wife. She fell down the stairs and hit her head. I wondered when she got up that morning, did she think, this is the day I'm going to be with the Lord? So for us, we're ready to stay, but we're ready to go. And that's a good place to be. And let's see what I said. Be saved and called according to his purpose. It's God who works in both the will and the will. That's the good part. To God be the glory. When Norman was first saved, they called him straightway. Straightway he was witnessing. While he was in the retail business, he used to tell me, I do this because I make a living. But for years he said to me, this is not really my life's work. He didn't know what his life's work was until he came to Christ. And of course, I don't know, there's some people here maybe that don't know it. When he came to Christ and he called to tell me both from Orthodox really 65 years ago, we didn't hear about conversions or Billy Graham or things like that. And he called to tell me he became a Christian. I thought, oh, okay. I thought, boy, this guy's traveling. He's not home. He's got husbands. He had a father. Now he turned into a Gentile. That's what lost people think. Really? And so when I was convinced that he was saved, I called him to a discipleship class. But he was traveling, so he never got to go to You know, God has a plan. And when we look back and think back, it's so wonderful. And so... that he wanted to witness and serve the Lord. He said, I can serve the Lord your entire family. I said, you go home to your family. You got a wife, a child. Jeff was five years old. He folks that remember me, Jeff. I was always Norman Hickey's wife. Now I'm Jeff's wife. That's where I am. Anyway, and a verse of scripture that Now, I love the word. One verse of scripture keeps on going. One verse of scripture keeps on going. He came home. I was living in Connecticut. Knocked at the door. I wouldn't let him in the house. But I had a door sewer. But Jeff next door, five years old, grabbed Norman by the leg. Oh, Daddy. I said, as good Puritans as we are, we get that one verse. So I said, well, come in already. Here he comes with his Bible. 
I said, if you want to be religious, why don't you be a rabbi? To me, it was the same thing. What's the difference? Religion is religion. And so he said, you know, I would have a religious life. Because he said, I really believe in that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. know I was going to go this way, but here I am. I didn't read the Bible. I went into the temple in Middletown, Connecticut, the Orthodox Temple, to get a book out of their library about Messiah. And that's what I did. The book I took out of the temple, the Orthodox Temple, said that Jesus was a Christian book. Somebody planted it. Was the Lord asked to preach? Jesus came to preach and to say, we don't look for him. He takes the initiative. He looks for us. That's the good part. Anyhow, I got into it in this book. Nobody was there to say, read John. Meanwhile, Norman went back to work, and he did his thing as a husband, and he was home, and he did the ordinary thing. And my family was shocked. But they said, well, I'm just trying to picture a marriage together. But meanwhile, I got started reading this book. Nobody told me where to read. I opened Isaiah. Ooh. The Lord was speaking to me. Then in Isaiah, I went to Roman. Gospel to the Jew first? Where's that title picture? My blessing is that I went back to school. I was still working at United Aircraft at that time, Scott and Brittany, payroll department. And it was a Saturday. I don't expect to give a testimony, but it's rolling. It, it was a Saturday, and the girls, a handful of girls, they wanted to go to lunch. I said, I'll stay here and read. I was reading again through, not through Isaiah. I must have gone through Isaiah 53, and then it was Isaiah 55. I came to the part that said, Lord, I'm not looking for you. You're looking for me and calling to me. And you know what? I said, Lord, I'm going to call back. I want to see you. I bowed my head and I said, I'm a sinner. I didn't even think I was a sinner. 
I was born again, and I was born again with a burden. I did not know it was a burden. I didn't even know what a burden was or that there was a Holy Spirit. From there, life is a story. We've been through it. The happy part, the sad part. We're not immune from anything, but God. doesn't waste anything. It's all for a reason. The things we go through, the things we suffer. It's a hard learning experience. I don't think we don't learn at the parties. We learn in the pit, in the trials of life. All right. So Norman, uh, we were with the mission early and sent us is it okay for me to keep going? They sent us to Florida and young Christians and lived in the midst of the Jewish people. And that, people are lost. They're not stupid. They know if you have an agenda. And we always told it like it was. They knew who we were, what we were. And so Norman was active in church. We were in church. We had relatives coming. The door opened up for him to travel. He had doors open to Israel, to Brazil, to Spain. We could pack and send him. When I packed, he said, I was qualified to write a book on how to take everything I own on a 10-day trip. <laughs> I never learned how to do it. I can't make a decision. <laughs> Anyhow, he, he had an open door to travel. I had four children in one car. All different ages, all in different schools. I said to him, God didn't call me to be a said, okay, you pray and I'll pack. And that's the way it we packed and prayed. But while I was in Miami, I learned the Lord taught me when you put your hand on the doormat there in our mission. And so it is with me. So we were a good mom and pop, and we were grateful. And uh, then uh, there was a time when, this is just as I remember this, when Norman couldn't travel. He had Parkinson, and he was home, and uh, he said to me, he said, honey, you know, when I stop going <laughs> and I can't travel, I said, Jesus, 
what in the world would you have me say? He says, as long as I've known you, you've never been at a loss for words. You know, when we're younger, we're shy. When we get older, we don't shut up. You know what? Being gray hair has its advantages. I'm getting a lot of strokes out that I couldn't do in the past. I've got to be a Grandma Moses image, and I'm taking advantage of it. Okay, last year I did travel a little bit. There's been a little. It's a, been a life of variety. People come into the house and going out and, and being there. But last year I did travel a little bit, and somebody here knows my son Mike, and some of you remember Mike. My youngest son is now 46, and he likes to say to me, he says, Mom, why don't you sit home on your rocker and act your age? Stop running around. I said, back off. I'm still off my rocker. When Jeff sees me home too long, he says, what are you doing home so long? I said, what are you considering, the flying nun or the wandering Jew? So they both want to preserve me in their way. I said, I'll let the Lord take care of me. Done okay so far. All right. So I did last year. I did go to Texas. I friends we know here, Glenn Harlan and the other fella, um, Clydell Chapman, who has. I went to a missionary conference, which was a lot of fun. I did see Miss Wilson. Somebody asked me for Miss Wilson. They took me to see Miss Wilson. She's in a beautiful nursing home in Oklahoma City. And she was just like Miss Wilson. She told me she was a queen. And she said, yes, that's me. And she said, I ain't the real thing. <laughs> just like Okay. I said, they are, we had the best visit. They said too far. We didn't want to let go. But it was a blessing. Okay. Also, I, I'm an invited volunteer for Jews for Jesus. Every once in a while, I get go to walk the boardwalk, I did put on the shirt, but I, I know Maestro, he used to be in the Jesus Center and he had trouble with his knee. So I said, on the front page. Oh, not many wives, not many helpers. I do things for the Lord. I go out to the funeral home. I go 
So Jerry thought, you know, I love Pam and the Usherman. And actually, he was thinking that Sidney and Mr. McCreary might be mates. Years ago, when Nancy and I were married, they were introduced to me as Complain. We have more Gentiles in your synagogue than we have Jews in the church. He says they're no, not Gentiles anymore, though. Yes, they are. I love to talk to the rabbi. But it was a hidden mission field. It just Um, I thought sin was just murderers and thieves. But we had to tell people about sin, not religion. Religion is like the slap on the arm, an inoculation. It gives you just enough to protect you from the real that. But the real problem So, a friend of mine said, I had cancer. He said, I would never have taken the treatment I did if I hadn't had cancer. He said, I took it, and I was healed and cured. The same with sin. You have an answer. The I get certificate has been written. It's a final cure. Jesus Okay, whatever happened to sin? That's what uh, Alan asked me what we do. Okay, here's what we do. We speak as the Lord gives our opportunity. I believe, so I speak. Whatever, if we believe, people talk about what's on their heart. We speak, and God opens doors for us to do that. Where we are. Jerry spoke about the Passover and the first month. A couple of weeks ago, I had a stop in my, uh, what do you call it, short appendix, in my arm. Two half. I said to him, do you 
you observe the path very carefully. He says, yes, we do. I said, you know, I believe the Passover, our, uh, my Passover lamb is Jesus Christ. Those are the parents. You know, you can't hold them too long. They're not going to listen. I said, all these people, all these patents have a blood atonement. Don't put it on them. Don't shed the blood and put it on the doorpost in the winter to offer the blood. And the Lord said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. I'll taste the blood. It was the blood that made atonement for the sins. You know, that doctor sat down and I found one man that could say the blood. And I know when I shouldn't talk, believe it or not. I know when they have one foot out the door. But this doctor in Boston, he said, I've never heard that before. He said, I'm not converted yet, but it's really interesting. I said, don't forget, when you celebrate the Passover this year, you want that blood because today, I got to the point. That was him. So you just don't know. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. To us, it's our great commitment. It's our great holiness. You know, God's in charge. He cares. So we continue to pray for Israel. And as we run into people, last year when I traveled on the airplane, I came, I came to, uh, got on the plane, I heard the hostess speak, I said to myself, thank Jewel. As much as I traveled, I don't remember ever running into a Jewish airline hostess, anybody here did? I could tell from the personality. I think the Lord wants you to recognize us. We're, you know, without way for a purpose. And she was talking. So as she came down the aisle and she stopped, she was very friendly. I said, yeah, did you ever meet an old Jewish lady who was born again, believed in Jesus as Messiah? She said, you know what? My friend got taken me to the church. And she said, I love it. I've been frightened that it's not for me. I said, honey, it's not who belongs to I said, don't be upset. The Lord is calling to you. Go and get the blessing. Let your friends take you. Listen, on the way out, when friends picked me up, she went by. She was coming off the plane. She stopped talk to my friends and hugged them all. They're not, but she said, I'm so glad that you spoke to me. All Jewish people are not the old stereotype that we think. They're part of the culture today. They're intermarried. They don't, they'll 
they willingly admit to me, we have no hope. We want to believe something. We go, we belong, but we really have no hope. So, when you say Jesus, I think you cover the whole thing. Now, I know a lot of people use the Hebrew good. If you're in Israel, sure, use the Yeshua or whatever you want. But if I spoke to some of the young Jews like that, they'd think I'm talking in tongues. My grandchildren call me Tamina. It's the Cindy name. It's from uh, the first grandchild Tima is Hebrew for mother. It doesn't really mean grandmother, but it's mother. Tima, mother, Abba, father. And so they call me Ima. Last week we were in Boston. We met one of the editors of the Boston paper. I don't dare give his name. They introduced me as Ima. He said, my name sounds like yours. I was a reporter all over the world. I was in Israel. He said, are you Jewish? He said, no, I'm Italian. I said, we grew up together in Brooklyn. Italians and Jews. You know, I said, I'm a grandmother that loves Jesus. He stared at me and said, and turned around and said, look who I met Anyway, as the Lord gives opportunity, we And he words I speak to you, spirit and it's life. That's what we have. We give the word of God. The Holy Spirit uses it. And I always said to Norman, I must have been a sheep, never a goat. My sheep hear my voice. Dr. Gershom always said, we just call the call. We just listen it. God's Holy Spirit does the work. We just trust. And we never know who we're talking to. Sometimes it's years later that people have called back or written. They said, you know, we came to Christ and we never forgot your word. So this is what we're here for. What else can I say? Probably plenty. But I might have said enough. And we continue with our burden. God gives the burden. He's the missionary God. And I sometimes borrow from Fox News to say to them, I report, you decide. You can do it. God will help. Home Depot. All right. And I was going to open my Bible, but I guess I quoted it. Physical war in Israel, there is spiritual war in And if God casts away his people, I'm still here. We're a remnant. Moment said, we're the end of the boat. We're part of the end of the, we're a remnant. 
God's will will go forth. His desire is for them, not for the world. I call Israel the prodigal son. No way could the father Tell you the way Norman used to read Romans one fifteen. I'm not ashamed of that gospel. I'm not ashamed that it's the power of God. I'm not ashamed that it's the power of the in the world it's a blessing I thank God for the blessing that brings me up I'm so blessed today I'm not usually treated like a VIP this is really different (laughs) I sort of like this I admit (laughs) I mean you know old lady stuff so anyway I thank you I'm grateful Praise God. I appreciate your prayers. Just now, sir, may the words of my mouth ever in the meditation of my heart be acceptable in Trying to tack something like that on the end of the message—that had—that had to be first. There's just no way about it. How many here have had a life verse, and maybe you've had several life verses over your lifetime? You know, you can't hard pick just one sometimes. When I was, when we first got married, I was a greenhorn, as far as a Christian goes, and and my wife was interested in us having something like a family verse, you know, that we could sing together, and. Uh, I had no clue what to pick or think about anything. She mentioned Psalm 48, 14, the verse she quoted. That was the first verse I ever claimed. Pardon? At the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, and it's up in my side, oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I think that's the one she quoted. No, 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 that's a different one. That's this is, um, that's, uh, for this God is our God forevermore. He shall be our guide even in the death. Well, I couldn't uh, help but think, too, of the, you mentioned about young Jewish people telling you we have no hope. And it's so interesting. That was really the topic of what I wanted to speak on this morning, and we're not going to have a lot of time, but we have just enough time to roll through a few verses that I'd like to talk about this morning. It's just, uh, I'm I'm not going to read all the passages that I wanted to, but if you look in the book of Philemon, we're not going to stay there long. So if you just want to listen to me, that's fine. Because we're just going to 
going to read it a little, little. Well, actually, I was going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read just the first two verses for a moment. In Philemon, the first verse, he says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. And to our beloved Apia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. And doesn't, you know, give us any specifics here or say with any definiteness, but most believe that, uh, of course, that um, Aphia was the wife of Philemon and that Archippus, he says fellow soldier, that he may have been the pastor that met in the church in their home. And if you go back to... um, Yeah, Colossians. Oh, yeah, Colossians. Go to, if we go to Colossians to the last chapter, there <coughs> uh, Paul mentions Archippus in verse 17. He says, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, thou fulfillest. So Archippus, in all likelihood, was probably the leader of that church, an elder, a pastor, whatever we want to call him. And that, and, of course, this letter here, being a letter to Colossae, their church was evidently, their home was evidently in Colossae. Now, having said that, I want us to back up to Acts chapter 28. And in Acts chapter 28, we'll just look at the, um, oh, let's look at verse 1 just to start with. He says there, and when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita, or Malta. That's the little island that's just off the coast of Sicily, south. Now, Paul's on his missionary, or well, I can't really call it, I guess you'd call it a missionary journey. I mean, he was not, it was against his will, but he was going to Rome. And um, he never stopped being a missionary, of course. <clears throat> now, on this journey, they uh, stopped off at a few places on their way. In verse 11, it says, uh, after three months there, they departed in a ship of Alexandria, and they landed at Syracuse in verse 12. And then in verse 16, and when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. And so Paul made this long, arduous journey to Rome, endured many things, many afflictions and sufferings and so on. Verse 17, though, it says, And it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together, and when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people of, uh, or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who when they had examined me would have let me go because there was no cause of death in But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had anything to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. And then, it says, they said unto him, 
We neither received the uh, letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. But we desire to hear you, what you think. For as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And when they had appointed him a day, right, they set aside a time. And there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. Now, I shared with you a little bit about the experience I had with my home church, and that's not going so well, you know, as far as my personal financial support is going. Uh, when I write back to them, I'm going to tell them, I, you know, Paul had a whole day set aside for him. If you don't mind from morning to evening, you only gave me two hours. I'd like to have a whole day. If we could pursue this together. And of course, in verse 24, it says, Some believe, and, and some believe not. Now, if you were to go back to Philemon, you'll find out that. Onesimus, a slave of Philemon, had left his master and made his way to Rome. I don't know if this was the day that he appeared before Paul or not, but sometime during this imprisonment there, he made his way to Rome, evidently with the intention of going right to Paul to see him. I'm inclined to believe myself. Now, if you read Ryrie's note in here, he just says he happened to come across Paul. But I'm inclined to believe that with the church meeting in their home, that undoubtedly he had heard the gospel in some fashion or another, even as a slave. And he had some interest in that, and he made his way to Rome to see Paul. Now, within the mixture of all of this, he talks about the hope of Israel. What is the hope of Israel? Well, let's just go in reverse just for a little bit. Let's back up from Acts 28 to Acts chapter 26. So if we go to verse 26 and verse 6, it says there, Paul says, Now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise. Well, we have the hope of Israel. Now we have the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. Unto which promise our twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night hope. That was the hope of the twelve tribes. That's what they longed for and desired was this hope of Israel. This hope of this promise. And he says, we hope to come. Now I want us to keep your finger here in Acts, but I want to turn back to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And look at verse 11 with me. Now you know this verse very well. Paul speaking here says, if by any means, he says, I might attain out resurrection from the dead. And you know that word attain here, it's the 
same word translated come over here in Acts chapter 17. In other words, we could have read this, unto which promise our 12 tribes hope to attain. In the same fashion and manner in which Paul was hoping for the out-resurrection, we're going to find out in just a minute, they were hoping for the resurrection of the dead. Back up now again to Acts chapter 24 and verse 15. Chapter 24, verse 15, and there it says, well, in verse 14, he says, This I confess unto thee, that after the way, which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God. The hope of Israel, the hope of the promise, hope towards God, which they themselves also allow. That word allow in other places is translated accept, receive, admit, or wait with anticipation for. You know what that is? It's believing. That there shall be a resurrection of the dead. They look forward to the promise of God that there would be a future that there was more to come, that there was something God held out in the future for his people Israel. And now Paul, as a Christian, one who has accepted Christ as the Messiah, hasn't forgotten that, still clings to that promise and that hope in Christ. Now, we're really going to run out of time, so I need to really go through some verses. i got eight of them here. Slide through. We won't spend a lot of time on each one, but I'd like to go back. Now we're going to, instead of going backwards, we're going to go back to Genesis, and then we're going to move forward through the Old Testament. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Most every one of these verses you will be extremely familiar with, but I want us to link them together and tie them with the hope of Israel, the hope of the resurrection. So that when you come to the New Testament and you read in the Gospels about the ministry of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ preaching about the life, remember life with the article, or eternal life, life for the age, that we will fully understand the consistency and continuity of the scriptures from beginning in Genesis all the way to its fulfillment in the book of Revelation. We have see there the promise fulfilled. And men are brought forth from the grave. And it's well, well, I'm going to jump ahead of myself if I'm not careful here. In Genesis 3:15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. He shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Of course, that's a prophecy, so it's looking forward, it's prophetic. Speaking of that which is yet to come, and it's going to lead us towards something else. Now, look to Deuteronomy chapter 32. In Deuteronomy 32, remember the Israel, uh, the people of Israel were they're right there on the shore of the uh, Jordan River, ready to pass over 
into the promised land. And he tells them, Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. He says, and of course he's reiterating, he's going over, repeating to them the law as given by Moses. Because this was the new generation. Remember, the old generation had died off. They were gone. All we had left from the old generation was Moses, who would soon die, you had Joshua, and you had Caleb. Well, and actually, you had the third one, named High Priest. And he, in this promise here, as Moses reiterates these things to Israel, he says to them, See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. I kill I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. One of the sheep in John 10 can't deliver out of Somebody can snatch it out of my father's hand. Now, move ahead. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 6. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, uh, of course, you know, we're dealing with Hannah and how she prayed for a, a son and she promised to give him back to the Lord. And in her song and prayer of thanksgiving and praise to God, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 6, she says there, The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up again. Well, that was Israel's hope. That was Hannah's hope. Now, turn with me over to Job chapter 19 and verse 26 to another very, very... A familiar verse to, I'm sure, everybody here. Job chapter 19. And I'm not giving you these in a chronological order. I'm giving you them to, to you in the order that you're going to see it here in the scripture. In verse 26, Job said, And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Job held the promise that he knew that in his flesh, one day, he would see the Lord. Now, Psalm 16. Now, there's many, several others we could go to, and I'm just giving you a, a really a sampling of the ones just to give us the thought and the idea. And I'm so glad of what you mentioned, Shirley, because it just follows right here, heart and soul, with what I was wanting to share with you this morning and bring out. In Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11, uh, <clears throat> David says, I have set the Lord be always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in Well, if that weren't enough, let's read the next verse. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell or Sheol, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And I'm confident, fully convinced, every Jew understood and knew what David was referring to when he talked about at the right hand of the Lord and the joys and pleasures forevermore. That these were the things that God had promised that 
when they were resurrected from the grave, the righteous would enjoy those special privileges. They would be beneficiaries of that promise of God. Now, we find out, of course, later, uh, well, we'll come to that. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 19. Isaiah 26 and verse 19. And if you're counting them, then after this one, you know we only got two more to go. All right, in verse 19, Isaiah says, The dead men shall live, together with my dead body shall they arise, Awake and sing, ye that dwell in dust, for thy dew is as the dew of the herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Israel clung to that promise. They believed that God would raise them again from the dead. Not just raise them again from the dead, that's key function. For a purpose. Ezekiel. We're coming down to the end. Ezekiel 37. Some classic verses here. Verses 12 through 14. Therefore, he says, prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, here's my people Israel, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. There is something out there in the future that God wants to bring his people to, unto. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in my own, your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. I mean, now that's Powerful passage, isn't it? That is strong and very clear. There is a place yet for Israel. And then the last one I wanted to look at was Daniel chapter 12. I'm sure that you probably thought of this when you read it. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2, Daniel says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some shame, and everlasting contempt. That word everlasting in the Old Testament, Hebrew word, olam, means nothing different than the word everlasting in the New Testament. It means abiding to the age. And those who translate it literally do so. And so he's telling them here, some will be resurrected at the age abiding life. Some Shame and age-abiding contempt. The wicked, the unfaithful. And so what I'm trying to point back to here, and I'll bring it to a close with this, is just a simple little thing. All of this is very, to me, awesome and powerful. It's just overwhelming when you think of what God has accomplished. Yet you bring it right back to Paul. In Rome, here comes a slave. I think he had overheard the gospel being preached in that home. He makes his way across the country, over there to Rome, finds Paul, and here's Paul preaching. 
day and night about the kingdom of God. And as we read earlier in Acts, that included the resurrection of Jesus. Paul's message did not change one whit from what God has given us in the New Testament. It is just as passionate as what Paul had. But Israel rejected the resurrection. He says, some believe, some believe not. We go back to Acts chapter 28. <clears throat> when Paul's finishing up, says, I mean, I mean, he ends up with some strong words for Israel. He said, well, wait a minute. You know, and this obviously had to be late in the evening. He preached in the morning and the evening. Before they departed, before they left, he said, I, gotta, I won't finish up with this. He says, and when they agreed not among themselves, they left. They departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word <laughs> when he said this. Well spake, holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear, and ye shall, shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people, the Jews, is waxed gross, and their hearts are And he says, And their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart. talked about the word of the kingdom. In Luke's gospel, he says that it was received into to a noble and good And he says there, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known unto you, therefore, he says, that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, that they will hear it. But my point is this that though that happened, and though that is the present state we are in today, yet those promises God gave to Israel, we know are still true and yet future for Israel because Paul finished the word of God. He never departed from the promises of God one whit as to his promise. And it's a promise that you and I can cling to. We talked, Jerry mentioned, boy, a lot of grief and sadness going on because of death we've known about in this past, even this past week. Yet, Paul says, we reap those who have not sown. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it is great to be a Christian. Thank God for his gift that he's given to each one of us. Thank God for that. What a encouragement to us. I mean, you can go back and do that again someday. I'd like to hear that again. That was exciting. I enjoyed the whole thing. Too. And surely we want to have a part in the whole town. I don't know what we're going to do. You know, we don't pray around here, but we do give money. We we want to have a part in this whole town. And I, I don't know. I don't want to be so bold as to speak on behalf of this church. But uh, we're going to get together and we're going to do something out there financially to keep you being able to go out. And as long as God will give you strength to travel and to visit these places. Much? Seek ye first. Amen. There you go. The kingdom of God. And that's what she's doing. And I want to be a part. I don't want to die without having a part in the kingdom of God. That's the problem I have. I don't want to miss out on that. 
I mean, that's exciting. Well, let's pray and be dismissed. Father, we thank you for the joy and the privilege of being here today. What, what, a, what an encouraging day this has been. We do want to pray for Shirley. We thank you for the strength and the grace that you've given her to continue in ministry all these years and to be able to travel and to be such a strong witness for her Savior. I pray that you would grant her enablement to continue on and that you would continue to open these doors of opportunity. And it was such an encouraging thing to hear that for every door that is open, she just goes and shares the word and is unashamed and unabashed about the whole thing. And so we just pray that you would grant her the grace to continue in that and that we would be so bold horsepower uh, as to be encouraged by that and learn what it means to be a witness for Christ. And we would not just be so mundane as just to share our dollars. We'd be willing to share our lives.